everyone, welcome to episode 166 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. Are you kidding me? 166. 166, that's right. It's good to be back once again with familiar faces here at the podcast, but also sad that we've seen our summer series with new faces and amazing stories. Well, those are in our rear view mirror. So, Andy and Jeff, after getting to just watch and listen pretty much as members in the seats the past few weeks, what was your biggest takeaway from our God Is series? God Is. <laughs> Deep. <laughs> Deep. I am that I am, he said. <laughs> well, I think the biggest takeaway for me is the amazing amount of stories that we have in our church yeah. that we are untapped. Yeah, the depth, yeah. the oh, depth, man. and the richness was very good. Uh, just you know, just to, to think that we had six of them, and they were all fabulous stories. Yeah, and to think, wow, we you know that we probably have a lot more. Yeah, the diversity. Yeah, mm-hmm. of not just you know race, but the diversity of thought and the diversity of life experience. I mean, Dorcia, when we sat down to talk, it was. We had an amazing conversation through that podcast and through her message. I need to listen to her podcast. I haven't done that. Oh, it was amazing because she was upset at first because she's like, hey, I need the questions. And I'm like, sorry, that's not the way it works right here. <laughs> and then uh, we really did. We, we laughed about it and smiled. And and she said, oh, OK, I'll, I'll trust you. And we really did have a, a unique conversation. And I felt like every week we uncovered something that I didn't expect. They mm-hmm. didn't expect things that were unscripted by either party. Right. And all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think we just figured something out here. So I really felt like, and this was the first year we hit all six guests. And now we're going yeah. back down to and now, us. And now we're just going back down. Back so, down. so you didn't say anything to her about, you know, when she wanted to have the questions, you didn't say, didn't you hear your sermon? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it was all about, was this yeah. willing to give up she control. Wants to control. Yeah. And it was challenging. I mean, with Daniel and Carla, it was, oh we decided that, you know, to rehash the story, we'll then just go watch the message. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are you going to talk about if you're not going to talk about the story? And we ended up at 45 minutes. And, I know, it was out in the lobby while you were doing oh, that. Yeah. And we had an amazing conversation, and we talked probably 10, 20 minutes before and after, and I felt like it made new friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we had... Man, if you right now, here's a challenge. If you missed an episode either in message or in the podcast, go back and and catch up on those because it's worth every minute of it because we really did. I felt like we learned a lot. Did you get uh, did you get the uh, podcast from each of the speakers? Yeah, yeah. first time. All six. It's wow. always and it's not because it was easy. Tomas <laughs> left here. We came in at and Thomas took his lunch at one. Mm-hmm. So we could make that happen that week. And he was leaving on a plane for Germany, I think, yeah, I think by, right. four, by yeah. four o'clock. Right. Dorcia was a complete trooper. She ended up with she flew back in that Wednesday. And then went back over to Lockheed for meetings, left there and battled traffic across town to make it here for like five. And then she was like, I told you I was going to be here at 513. It was like 518. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, we're not that regimented here. We're fine. So everyone made the sacrifice. Daniel and Carla had family and friends around. And so everyone just pitched in. We worked a lot of extra hours for the, for Tom and I, but we ended up getting it all put together. It was worth every minute of it. So don't miss either, either, or any yeah. of those messages or podcasts. I, I would agree. <clears throat> All right. 
Last week, we finished up that God is series featuring Tim and Vivian Cook, even though Vivian did get called out of town, I guess, and wasn't (laughs) able to join us for the podcast. But Tim sat down for the podcast, and we were reminded that we will likely never be able to have a complete understanding of God's love, and we have to be God to do that. And we will likely spend forever continuing to be amazed at just how vast his love is. Those past several weeks, they explored every attribute of God together we did here on the podcast and in message. And with each and every attribute we've explored, we know it all comes back and ends on the same note. God is love. That was just really, really awesome. I thought Tim and Vivian did a great job wrapping that whole series Mm -hmm. up and putting a nice little bow tie exclamation point. All right. There was something that Tim and I discussed last week. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to that episode yet, so maybe I shouldn't throw you under the bus. Did you have any thoughts to share about this, though? I guess I will. We had an FHE takeaway from last week that said, what do you think about God's love being reflected through people who do not claim a relationship with God? 1 John 4, 7 and 8. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says, whoever shows love is born of God born of knows God. God. Because I think that fits yeah. in nicely with the message this yeah. week if you're thinking about you know, people that we might look down on and say, well <laughs> – they're not even Christian. So, but here they are living love and the, the text says. If, if, you, if you look at Jesus' stories, especially the Good Samaritan is a great illustration. He doesn't ask or even reference to what the Samaritan believed. Right. right yeah. What he claimed. Yeah. Uh, any of his, anything that was outside of his action. And we are not saved by works, but faith is evidenced by action. Yeah. And so I just really think it's really cool that uh, that that active loving is what God's really all about. Hmm. Yeah, and I think we can take it in that in that context that the name of God or God himself, who is love, hmm. in a way defines, you know, we're defined by that within us. Do you think you that's know- true? Do you think that's true of other religions? I, I mean, like I, I have a hard time thinking uh, you know, about people uh, like Muhammad Gandhi. Yeah, you know, in terms of these people, that, or even people, if you look through the Book of Esther, not one mention of God in the Book of Esther. Right. There's, there's no, it's not That's there. Right. Yeah. There's no mention of God there. Just trying to think it through that story. <laughs> just kind of think it through that. It's, it's interesting. Um, I never can remember his name. The financier guy. Lord Templeton. Is it Templeton? Sir, right. Sir Templeton. Let's go with I that. I think that's right. John Templeton. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that I'm right now. He, he wrote a book called Agape Love, and he traces love in every, not every religion in the world, but many world religions, sure. even Native American uh, practices, and discovers that in each one of them, there's this great concept of love. Mm-hmm. And that if God is love and there is only one God, it's, it sort of speaks for itself a little. Yeah, I like that because that's kind of the conclusion we yeah. came to as well. So we just uh, we just gave out Andy at hospitalchurch.org if you disagree because <laughs> that was how we – Sure. That's how we – Bring it that. on. Well, and I think that what kind of the, the practicing love that you're talking about kind of goes along with where you started your message with Leon – Logothetis, I think, I is think some, that's right. Something, something, like, something that. like that. He gave up a, a successful career as a stockbroker in London to travel the world on five pounds a day, which is globally sort of the agreed upon average daily wage of the planet when you consider all the poverty. And he simply relies on, relies on the kindness of complete strangers to get by past that five pounds. 
So from the limited searching I've done so far in his story, it appears that his Netflix series and his New York Times bestselling book may be required viewing for us as we go through this because really this guy's kind of doing it in action and he's sure. finding all the ways that people are willing to pitch in when someone's in need. Right. Probably some good things that we could learn there. Andy, what about his adventure hit home to you or maybe made the case for you to use it as the kind of a teachable in this well, series? Just the, the title got, grabbed my attention and just I was just happened to be looking at the Netflix board and saw, Hey, Oh, kindness hours. Let me see what that is. As I was watching it and listening to him and thinking about it, that's when it just struck me. If, if people really are across the board, easy, if it's, if it's relatively easy to find someone to be kind to you in your time, moment, moment of need, why in the world is the world such a mess uh, of wars and mayhem and, just terrible stuff. I mean, of course, this week's been extra bad as well. El Paso and yeah. Dayton. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently the time away made you a little feisty out of the gate too <laughs> because you said this about our illusion of our self-sufficiency. Listen, please seek to understand that when we live under the illusion that we, in and of ourselves, have something to bring, something to contribute to the justification of our entry into the kingdom of heaven, that illusion will suck kindness from our souls like a leech sucks blood from its host. I just couldn't resist. I'm sorry. (laughs) And our illusion of self-sufficiency will make us mean-spirited towards those we judge as insufficient. And I know we're talking specifically in the spiritual realm here, but how do we balance personal success in many cases, or even great successes that we've achieved professionally, personally, when we realize this balance really has to exist across all facets of it, spirituality, personal, kind of the whole gamut. It goes to Paul's words to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And I, Paul. Yeah. And so I, th- I think when, I think when we feel like we've been really successful, we've really achieved something, there's a tendency very easily to judge those who seem to be more slothful as mm. being less. We judge them as being slothful. Yeah. They may be very industrious in ways that we can't even see. Placing yourself in a position of superiority and looking down on anyone begins to make us unkind toward them. When we create differences in our minds, differences is where the problems come. If, if you have a person you think is very different from you, and you're like, oh, I could never be. And then you are stuck with them in an elevator for like a day. <laughs> you you come out with them in a whole different mindset. You would you'd, you would like not think of them in the same way because now you know them. And it's, it's that ignorance and that differentiation. We separate ourselves, make that uh, make those people out there the other, and then we can sort of put them down. We can talk mean about them on social media. We can be unkind to them in mm. many ways because they sort of deserve it. You know, I sure. mean, because we're up here and they're down there. I do think too. There's this idea that I, I'm not, I'm not getting what I what I should deserve, mm-hmm. or I, there's not going to be enough for me, or there's you, know, you counsel couples, and, I'm, and, and Andy <laughs> does it too. And there's times that I sit back and I listen to them talk to each other. And here's a couple who literally they they fell in love with each other, they got married to each other, and there they are. Some of the most unkind things that, you know, (laughs) and you want to say, well, why aren't you just being kind? You know, why don't you just say you're, you know, like we do with our kids. (laughs) Like like three-year-olds say, you're sorry. (laughs) But I think it it is this idea that they, they start, for some reason, they become blind by because 
they feel like they, hey, we've been keeping track and I know. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of measuring and, and saying I'm, it's not been just for me and, uh, and we, things they wanted, they yeah. brought to the relationship that they thought were going to be Supposed there. Supposed to be there. That didn't, yeah. Haven't materialized. And so in essence, they say, they don't say it, they don't say it, but what's happening, that person is really blocking their agenda. For, for, their, for life. their life. Yeah. And yeah. when people block our agendas, we get mad. So maybe from, mean. from what I'm hearing then, maybe the idea is to lock them in an elevator between floors <laughs> for the day because they'll come out with that better understanding. That well, you talked they'll about come earlier. out one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it is fascinating how it just simple conversation with people. Yeah. People that we despise mm-hmm. or, or that we think less of or people that we admire and think more of whatever but conversation with them can alter our whole understanding of them and it moves us i'm getting ahead of myself this is next week's sermon a little bit but it moves us toward kindness uh, knowing people yeah. uh does that yeah i i do think that of all the things that we learn uh, to be able to empathize with somebody else to to put ourselves mm-hmm. in somebody else's shoes to understand is is a true probably antidote i mean it is what we need to do to to help ourselves and become that's wh- kind that's why i had to come had to start with poor in spirit yeah because if we recognize that we have something in common with everybody on the planet mm-hmm. where we all have nothing <laughs> in, in in reality uh, naked we came from Mother's Zoom and naked we're going to depart i mean that we just need to get over ourselves a little bit and recognize our poverty of spirit that, yeah. that you know, I, I don't bring anything. And I, I said it first service. I don't think I said it second service. I don't know where I even, it wasn't my notes, <laughs> huh. but if you don't have anything, there's, there's nothing to lose. Yeah. And what a freeing place to say, okay. You know, cause I remember somebody I liked, as I said, somebody, nothing to prove, nothing to lose. And, yeah. and it, so it just takes, it takes a lot of the heat out of, argument and meanness is, it can just it just it can settle us down hey i don't have anything you don't have anything either let's get along let's get along <laughs> well and now you know it's interesting my daughter when she was younger and i'm not i think tammy uh, she was asking for a story and i i said you know what this story just still resonates with me our kids at the age of four and five, they didn't have any money. <laughs> it's not like they had a bank account. <laughs> or they might have. I don't know if I probably was saving up for college starting then. But, but they didn't know they had any money. So for, a, you know, for me to give a dollar bill to my daughter at five, that was just something that in her, it was just a fancy colored paper. Mm-hmm. But she knew it meant offering. So when, in, you know, when, when she was in the primary or whatever grade it was, she had this dollar. She had, she knew that this was what she got to put in the offering plate. And that was a privilege for her and she enjoyed it. But one of her friends came that day, Blake, and he didn't have a dollar. Now, there's no intrinsic value to my daughter in that. You know, she had nothing still. <laughs> All she knew is she got the privilege of putting something in the offering plate. So what she does is she tears it in half oh, nice. and gives it <laughs> gives it to, to of Blake. Of course. And it's, <laughs> in that suite. And it's still yeah. no more valuable to the there's recipient. There's still no more value. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but he had something now. Now yeah, he, he got to do it. Yeah. And I think it, it's somewhat of a metaphor for all of us. We really don't. Yeah. Ha- it's not us. And we... 
it's easier for us to to give, I think, when we don't have anything. Yeah. And if we don't have any skin in the game, then there's no yeah. reason to want to even – there's no reason to want to understand people yeah. or try to do that. I mean you see that all the time once you get to know somebody. But in passing, it's just so easy to go, I'm sure we don't have anything in common. Right. I'm sure we wouldn't get along because I can just tell by whatever <laughs> this wouldn't work until you get stuck and go, yeah, maybe we do have something in common. But in, in reality – the chances are that everybody you meet is is your superior in some way. In some way, right. absolutely. They, right. There's something that they can do that's outside of your realm of. I was talking to two very well educated, successful people the other day, and you know they're like, "Yeah, we don't we don't know how to fix this." light fixture, you know, kind of thing on our front porch. I mean, and you know, Andy's and going like, like, I can totally yeah, do that. Yeah, but but I thought how cool that some of them will come and they. They have they have this gift of ability to bring to the occasion yeah. and uh, and make a difference. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, so the I par- regress. No, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, come on, it's a great parable. I love this one because we love the stories of good versus evil. But here, at least in most people's eyes, in my in my the way I'm looking at it, is we have evil versus evil, or maybe <laughs> at least bad guy versus bad guy, because no one has any love for a Pharisee that thinks too highly of himself, <laughs> or a tax collector who most certainly has to be a cheat at best. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus uses someone we would discount as beneath us as a tax collector to show us humility in a way that we could probably least expect it. Because no one wants to be told that perhaps they could use a little more humility in this process. <laughs> How can we hold each other in check, though, then, without creating a mess when you you do have to be humble in order for you to be kind. Mm-hmm. So how can we do that? I mean, even just as a group of church people that know each other, we kind of hang out fairly a you know, fair amount and still have to go, well, you know, Andy, you could use a little humility. Well, right I now. think probably if you tell a person they need to be a little more <laughs> humble, that may be, I might be too much, maybe a little bit of a rub, <laughs> but, I, but I think we should become freer in understanding the importance of kindness, that that's a, that this is a call of God to love people, yeah, and call each other out when we see unkindness happening. You know, when, when that'll humble when, you. When, yeah, it's a very humbling occasion. Yeah. But sure. But if I start smart mouthing somebody in a mean spirited way, not thinking I'm being mean spirited, but it's but it's happening to them. For someone to call me out on that is is the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, that might be an easier way to go about it than to look for someone and try to just call them out. But like you said, if that situation arises, that might be a good mm-hmm. way to try to help us all be a little bit more and then be open to the fact that, whoa, yeah, yeah. a little self-introspection that was probably me. <laughs> it would be kind of an interesting, you know, because you have the story of Zacchaeus who ended up being quite kind. Oh, yeah. Because of the, you know, the encounter with Christ. And so you wonder uh, between those two prayers – what would be the better posture, I guess, for kindness? You- well, the Pharisee wasn't really praying. No, he no, was. He was, he was just. He was a self <laughs> self exaltation yeah. moment. He's a he's a poster boy for modern <laughs> denominalization, right? Like he's denom. How do I say that? Denominal denominationalism yeah, is that the word? That's yeah. the word? Something like that. But toot his own horn. Tooting your own horn. Yeah. So how do we as a community just overall, though, not be that Pharisee, not going just like, you know, because I think part of what we we run into is it's like we all want to feel that things that we believe or the way that we understand Christ or God's kingdom, well, might be a little special. So why shouldn't uh, why, why shouldn't that make us feel good? And and it should. Right. If, if we feel like we have a relationship yeah. and we're, you know, it should make us feel good. But. We still need that balancing act so we don't end up being this person that where people are like, oh, that guy. 
Yeah. He goes to that church and they think <laughs> those things. And oof, I'm not sure I really want anything to do with that. Because <laughs> I think we do a pretty good job here at the hospital church. I mean, is there anything we do specifically to just try to create that environment where we try to, you know, talk to like, I mean, we're doing this series. So obviously well, there are things that we do, but I think being real is part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The authenticity the, is a huge piece. Yeah, candor and not trying to be somebody you're not. not and yeah. to be um, able to uh, laugh at or just make, in a sense, make light of some of the oh, things sure. that that sometimes people take so seriously. I loved your illustration of middle class. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was interesting. I liked it. Yeah. I got, got a few gasps. Yeah. I, I know, right? I, 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 I've never thought of it that way, but I thought that was quite, uh, quite clever. Thank Tim Keller. Yeah. And I didn't get, I, and I didn't get to it because I was like, I knew we would be out of time to get that far in, but I really do. Well, go back and watch the message because yeah. the – like Andy just mentioned, it was a Tim Keller uh, quote in a book that kind of brought it all together. But it kind of makes you think because a lot of us would probably consider ourselves middle class, lower middle class, upper middle class, whatever. <laughs> but that term – But yeah, the idea that I did this. Oh, right, yeah. You yeah, know, right. And that's this – this the, the whole danger of religion actually yeah. is that I – you know, hey, I'm actually – kind of pulling myself up on my bootstrap, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I was going to ask you what books, and then it just dawned on me. What what book was that from Tim That was actually a talk he gave. I listened to an auditory talk. I guess that would be (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a talk I listened to, a sermon of his um, on the poor. It has some incredible things to say on a whole different topic. But the concept that, that the cross is a great leveler, Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the gospel comes to us and says, and, and I really think I've talked about it here before. You've asked, what do, what do we do about keeping this, yeah. keeping some kind of sense of how do we move this direction? And I really believe it is, it, it has to do with keeping in touch with our human depravity and recognizing yeah. that if we open our eyes, we are poor yeah. in spirit. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is vision. I think the fact that you might not agree with the hospital church's vision, mm-hmm. you might not think it's a great thing, you might think it's dumb or cheesy, or <laughs> you can think a million things of it. You yeah. can, but I think when you come to a church where you have a vision and it re, and you align with it and go, man, I do want to be in our community helping people. I do want to see justice ministries in a strong up, up front role. Mm-hmm. I do want to hear those values from the from the front. Not only in message, but in announcements and in people that like our worship hosts, mm-hmm. they're very intentional right. about all that. And when you when you do that, it, it sends you off in the course of your week th- with those things in the forefront. And I think that's very helpful and it causes you to think that, you know what, I'm in a community of people that, like you said, we're not – we're all broken people. We're all heading oh, out to yeah. do the same thing. And if there's that transparency, but also a vision of, hey, we all stink, but we're going to stink together and we're going to do the best stinking job we know how to be. Well, what's really fascinating, too, of all the Beatitudes, this is the only one that's in the present tense. The rest of them are right, promises yeah. for the future. Blessed are the people, for they will, this will happen. Yeah. They will receive mercy if they're merciful and, and so forth. And this one says, blessed are the poor people, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's a present reality, which is which puts it in its own different little class that really mm-hmm. should make us want to sort of long for that poverty of spirit. Right. I like it.
All right. This week, one of our FHC takeaways asked, how have your spiritual understandings made you feel spiritually superior? <laughs> now, it was apparent from I our- I just couldn't resist. I'm sorry. From our 11 <laughs> FHC takeaways this week that Andy has been missing the weekly opportunity to speak questions into our lives <laughs> and encourage dialogue within this community. So not only were there 11, but they were all really, really good, making it difficult to pick just this one. And I chose this one in particular because I believe it may be the most appropriate for us as Adventists to consider. Hmm. There is no question that Adventists have a unique message and theology that make us stand out from the crowd. And considering this with Andy's message, being unique is a favorite for many, as Andy put it, that we live with the prideful illusion that we have something, something to bring, something to contribute. We can rationalize truth, biblical understanding, prophecy, and more all day long, but at the end of the day, we must remember that as Andy also put it, the gospel says, recognize you have nothing. That was really powerful. Man, I want to come back to this because this is really good stuff. <laughs> we could have spent the rest oh, of the I podcast know. on that alone. So. I know. Don't miss any of the other 10 FHC takeaways. You can find them in the FHC mobile app under the 8-3, August 3rd message details. Everyone will be listed in there. These are good ones to share with that special someone that you may like to banter with or maybe even throw down or argue with. But, hey, our final thoughts are from the closing to end. I don't even know if this was a closing. I think this was during the middle of the message. He said, those of us with much and those of us with little are all the same when it comes to the kingdom of God. We may not like that commonality, but it is reality. There is none good, no, not one. All our very best, our most perfect contribution to our belonging to the kingdom of God is filthy rags. Hit the 30-second back button on your audio player and listen to those sentences one more time. Maybe twice. There's a certainly an uncomfortable feeling that it gave me when I start comparing my thoughts to those of the reality of who I really am. A little realization and a whole lot of humility is a good place to start. All right. You kind of alluded to what's upcoming this week, but what's what's next in this? It's a... Um it's about caring. It's actually the um, beatitude, uh, blessed are the merciful, they will obtain mercy. Oh, great. So you know, we have well, to, first off, we have to be kind and now we have to be, well, now we have to care. Well, it's all about <laughs> kindness. Uh, yeah. Imagine the difference in our world if people really cared. Yeah. Uh, and wow. showed mercy. Oh, and mercy. Nice. Yeah. So. Right. It'll be, it'll be fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for <laughs> this week. It'll be fun next week, too. <laughs> All right. So it was good to have everyone back today. Thank you, Philip Burks, the man of many talents and epic beardness, for making sure we were ready to record today as Tom is on vacation in Europe. And as always, do join us next Wednesday for episode 167. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. You got a lot of editing to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a while since we've all been together. Where are those guest speakers? It's not your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks, all right, guys. <laughs>